I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there is a graphic out there that someone made that's like the cycle of the king season. And it's a triangle where it goes from bad blowout loss to the conversations were had, response win, couple of decent wins, back to bad blowout loss. And right now, we are at the bad blowout loss portion of the cycle. And it's so frustrating that it just keeps happening. It feels like every three or four games is a blowout loss. Coming into a game against the Sixers, where the 76ers are without jo Joel Embiid, they are 2-7, and seven, I believe, without Joel Embiid. They didn't have Kelly Oubre. They didn't have Robert Covington. Obviously, very big losses for the Sixers, an extremely winnable game for the Kings. But they just followed the same pattern as all of those other games where they got blown out. And it's the same thing every time. It's not a game where they're in it, they're in it, and then it's just like, oh, the fourth quarter got away from them. It's the almost the entire game every time. Usually how the script goes for these games is the Kings start out and, you know, it's it's usually going okay. It's like, it's not great. We're usually not knocking down our threes, but we're finding other ways to kind of stay in the game. You know, it was 18 to 16, a two-point game. We're fine. We're just not shooting well from three. Kind of got away at the end of the first quarter, but it's like, okay, we're only down eight. 29 to 21, we're not knocking down our threes. We're getting open looks. We're fine. That's how it feels every time. There's just this state of, okay, it's not going great, but if we, we can just easily turn this around, just we just got to keep doing what we're doing, the shots will fall, and then every single time, it just completely falls apart so quickly. And I think a large part of it is due to the Kings just becoming super panicked offensively. The three-point shot isn't going down and that's been the theme in all of these games that they get blown out in it's the three-point shot isn't falling and they don't know how to cope with that they don't know how to play when the three-point shot isn't falling early and so they get super panicked offensively they start throwing the ball away making bad decisions that leads to transition opportunities for the other team quick scores, and the lead will just balloon in an instant. It felt instantly like it was a 20-point game, 58 to 38, I think it was at one point. It's just that one span of the game, a, a very quick period in the second quarter that the game just totally gets away, and the Kings can't get back into it. Now against other teams, against worse teams, the Kings have at times been able to get back into it, but that's like against the Pistons, we got back into it after being down big early. And it requires being able to lock in on defense and get stops because the, the Kings offense eventually got going a little bit, but they just couldn't get enough stops to truly get back in the game. This wasn't one of those games where the Kings were completely out of it by halftime. Like there was still a way back in, but they just couldn't get enough stops against you know a, a talented Sixers team even without some of the guys they were uh, missing they weren't able to lock in and get those stops they just aren't good enough defensively to be able to consistently dig themselves out of these big holes that they create for themselves I think the most frustrating part of all of this of this season is that it never feels like the other team is beating the Kings. It always feels like the Kings are beating themselves when they lose. That wasn't necessarily the case last season. Last season, some of the losses 
It was just like, yeah, we got outplayed. The other team was good. This season, it didn't feel like the 76ers truly did anything that was super amazing. Like, they were giving us wide open looks from three. And, I mean, to their credit, the game plan of packing the paint worked out very well because the Kings couldn't hit a three and they didn't know how to cope with it when they were just missing wide open threes. And so at at the end of the game, the game can be summarized by just three-point shooting. Eight for 38, that's 21%, to the Sixers 15 for 35, which is almost 43%. So like, that is the main thing. If the Kings shot better from three, they were getting good looks. If they shot better from three, they're in this game. But there's also deeper issues of, yeah, a lot of times, if you shoot 21% from three, you're not going to win the game. But it's more about how the Kings offense looked when they weren't hitting those threes early on and how like the, the difference between how the offense looked in the first quarter versus how it looked in the second quarter, because I could live with how it looked in the first quarter, even though there were some bad turnovers and the Kings were figuring out ways to get open looks and they weren't falling. And at the start of the second quarter, there were some moments where I felt the same, but then that's when it just started to completely spiral out of control. And Kevin Herter was out for the Kings in this game, so Chris Duarte got the start. And all season long, I've been a big proponent of keeping Malik Monk on the bench, even though he's clearly a top four player on this team. But it's like he brings that energy off the bench. He's the ball handler. He's the main creator for us off the bench. Honestly, I I think at this point I've changed my opinion because we've just seen too many times of things getting out of control in the offense not being very good at all with both Chris Duarte and Kevin Herter. And it's not like if you start Malik Monk, you're not going to be able to have him out there with the bench. Like you could still play him with the bench. You could play Fox with the bench, Sabonis, Keegan. Like you can obviously mix and match the lineup still. But I think it's just so hard to to win a game when you have only three out of five starters contributing anything. Chris Duarte was terrible. He got the the Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter treatment of getting pulled after his first stint on the court and then just never seeing the court again in the first half and then coming back out starting the the second half then getting pulled again and Harrison Barnes wasn't knocking down the three and when this season so far when he's not knocking down the three he's not contributing much at all offensively and definitely not defensively the rebounding numbers for this game are kind of wild uh, the Kings out-rebounded the Sixers 54-46. to 46. But, I mean, you look at the offensive rebounding numbers, it's 23-14. to 14. Neither team did a good job on the defensive glass at all. But the Kings were able to get an insane 23 offensive rebounds simply because they couldn't hit a three-point shot. So there was constant long rebounds. And it it was great. The offensive rebounding was great, but they could just never capitalize and score on the second chances. And even with all of the the turnovers that the Kings had, uh, 
they only had three more than the Sixers and actually ended up with two more shot attempts than the Sixers as a whole. It's kind of wild to look at the Sixers attempting three less threes but making seven more. And so I mentioned it earlier, but the the Sixers' plan was just to completely pack the paint and try to totally take away the Kings' ability to score inside. And they did a really good job of that. In the last two games the Kings played against the Pistons and the Hornets, scored a combined 144 points in the paint, which is an insane number. But the the Kings were still able to, because the Sixers were packing the paint, they got so many wide open looks, time after time. And so that was really frustrating. Sabonis was getting swarmed inside, and he only attempted one shot, I believe, in the first half, and he made it, so he had two points, but he also had three turnovers in the first half, and it was just because he was getting swarmed inside. And I think the the main kind of culprits of the panicked offense that I was talking about, I think he is one of them, trying to force things inside when the Sixers were packing the paint because he felt like other guys weren't hitting shots, so he had to do it himself. Barnes also had a couple moments where he tried to force things. Keon Ellis came in, tried to force things. Uh, Malik Monk also tried to force a few passes, but that's just stuff he always does, so uh, I wouldn't say that's one. And then Fox just wasn't super aggressive for most of the game, and he his shot was off again. Like He kind of tried to stem the tide in the second quarter but other than that he was not good he got to the foul line but he just wasn't super aggressive going to the rim and Malik Monk was kind of the only ball handler or perimeter player trying to attack the rim and actually score because other guys would attack the rim but then they would try to throw it out to the three-point line, leave their feet, and then like turn around, try to throw some crazy pass. Like Keon Ellis, he he was had some rough moments. He had some good moments as well, but he had some rough moments. He had a one-on-three, and he just decided to go straight into the three sixers and then just turn around and pass the ball to one of them. And that happened a lot. I just feel like there aren't enough, if any, guys on this Kings team that are able to just settle things down when things are going poorly. Like, I know Fox can do it, but he just hasn't been super aggressive for the past few weeks. And like I said, he tried in the second quarter, but then outside of that, like Monk, Again, he can kind of calm things down, but then I just don't feel like anyone else has that ability. There are just too many guys that make poor decisions and get sped up when things are going poorly. I think Chris Duarte is one of those guys that really like is super up and down. And when he's down and when things are going poorly, he makes super bad decisions with the ball. The Kings were passing up good open shots to take bad shots or turn the ball over. They just got in their own heads about things. Keon at one point had an open three, either an open three or he could have dribbled into the mid range. Instead, he did neither and he just traveled. Juan Toscano Anderson got early minutes and he actually came in and confidently 
hit a corner three. Like he rose up immediately, knocked it down. And surprisingly, he the side that he played poorly on was the defensive side of the ball. He was not good defensively at all, and that's why he only played three minutes. And then at the start of the second quarter, we tried to go to Sasha Vizenkov for some offense, but he kind of forced a three and then got blocked. And then I think he turned the ball over, and it was just a rough game for him. And it really just feels like this season, the Kings just haven't gotten enough out of bench guys or role players that they expected to get more from. It feels like everything has gone horribly for all of the role players outside of Trey Lyles. Obviously, I'm talking Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, uh, Davion Mitchell, Sasha. Like He's had his moments, but he just has not been consistent at all. And I guess Alex Len is the other guy that's been solid in terms of guys outside of the core four for the Kings. And I've talked a lot about the offense. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, it definitely it definitely wasn't great, but by no means was it horrible. A lot of the Sixers' scoring came in transition off of the Kings' turnovers, and so if the Kings either a made better decisions with the with the basketball or b just hit some three point shots, that would have taken away a lot of the Sixers' offense out in transition in the fast break, and so the defense wasn't even that bad. Right away, the Kings were trying to trap Maxi and get the ball out of his hands, and I thought, I thought that was the right idea. Tobias Harris got it going, but the Kings were able to limit Tyrese Maxi a good amount and force him into a pretty inefficient night. Tobias Harris, though, he killed us, and he always kills us, and it's just the same thing over and over again because he's just a scoring wing player. And I saw that Kelly Oubre was going to be out in this game. And I'm like, well, that's actually huge for the Kings. Because Kelly Oubre is another one of those guys that's the type and, and makeup of a player that would kill the Kings. Just a, a wing scorer that has size. The only real bad part of the Kings defense was the defensive rebounding. It, it wasn't great. And then... The Kings went to a zone, which made it even worse. It made it even harder to rebound the basketball. And by no means am I saying the Kings were a locked down defense in any other regards. They weren't. But just from what we expect from the Kings, I didn't think it was too bad. Colby Jones came in and, and gave early minutes. They put him out there to guard Tyrese Maxey. So it was interesting to see how, how that would go. It it. Well, on one possession, he got kind of scorched. I, I don't think Tyrese Maxey is really the player that he should be guarding. Like, hopefully, in the future, he will be able to guard someone like that. But I think, I mean, Tyrese Maxey's tough for anyone to guard. But I think Colby is a little slow for that. Kind of the same way Keegan is a little slow for that. But uh, I do think... Colby showed that he is a good defender in other aspects other than guarding on the ball. Like, I think he can be super disruptive on the ball, but it's just tough when he's guarding a super quick guard. But off the ball, I thought he was making the right reads and was super active. Again, the struggles for him really just came in scoring the ball and figuring out how to finish plays. He did have one nice play where he made the right cut, got into the mid-range, went to the floater, and then just missed it pretty badly. 
but it was the right idea. And so if he can just execute that shot, that floater, then he'll kind of have put it all together at that point. I thought Keegan had a pretty good game, although he kind of also got in on some of the bad misses from three. He airballed one in the, the fourth quarter right after Trey Lyles airballed an open one. Uh, but he did make three of seven. I thought he looked pretty confident in the way he was shooting the ball and he was taking the right shots. And he would take a shot if the defender was backed up too far. I think it was Batum at one point. He caught the ball, kind of had a look, could have shot it, but he didn't. And Batum, he just was too far back. And Keegan recognized that and just pulled from three. And I think that's a shot that he kind of was unwilling to take earlier in the season, but he took it and he knocked it down. I thought he was good defensively when he didn't have to guard Tyrese Maxey. And one thing that I thought was interesting was in the at the start of the third quarter, you know, things fell apart at the end of the second quarter. But at the start of the third quarter, the Kings just were super intentional about, intentional about getting the ball to Demonis Sabonis on every single possession. And there were a few, like we had one shot clock violation, but for the most part, it was working really well. And it feels like the Kings just figured out how to play against the way that the Sixers were defending it. And part of that was actually just, you know, hitting a three or two, but also the way that they were cutting around it. And for the first like two minutes of the third quarter, it really felt like the Kings were about to turn things around and then it just kind of fell apart again. But Sabonis had a much better second half and everything that any everything good that was happening was pretty much centered around him. And I mean he, it's hard to say that he he did need to be better in the first half, but also he he was attracting all of the attention, and it's it's on other guys to be able to utilize that. He had some bad turnovers, but it's not like he turned the ball over eleven times like he did earlier in the season. He only had four turnovers, and that was after a really bad start where he had a couple right away, and he was creating for others. And guys just weren't knocking down shots. Kind of like the story of how the playoffs went. Like his numbers would be way higher if guys could just hit an open shot. But Kings not being able to hit open shots just meant more pressure on Sabonis inside. And in the second half, they found ways and he found ways to be able to score a little bit more. But it just wasn't enough. And so there's definitely... Some blame that has to go towards him for some of his decision making, trying to force things at times. And then, but then you also have to look at how much attention was on him and, and what he created for others. And other guys just weren't able to execute. Lyles just, I mean, one for five from three. And some of those misses were really bad. He got some open looks. Monk went 0 for 7, which was wild. He was getting it going from the mid-range and attacking the basket, and so it always felt like those threes were going to go down because they were pretty good looks, and a lot of them were after he had just made a mid-range shot and he was getting some momentum. So it felt like one of those was going to go in and start that Kings run. I think the Kings were within 14 in the third quarter, especially late in the third quarter. I know they were definitely within 14 near the end there, and it felt like, the Kings were just on the verge of going on a run. And again, they just could not hit those big shots to really propel themselves back into the game. And then there were just the odd turnovers. 
Fox just throwing a ball out of bounds. There was uh, Sabonis feeding a pass into Keegan, who was cutting. And the pass was definitely low because Sabonis kind of really had to reach around uh, a sixer. But there was no one around Keegan, and there was a lot of time for him to adjust to the ball coming, and he still didn't catch it. It would have been just an open dunk. And the reason I say this, because it's like it happens one time, it's no big deal, right? But it's happened a lot to him this season. His, he just doesn't have good hands. Like, sure, it wasn't a perfect pass, but you have to be able to catch some of those. And he just, he hasn't, he can't catch those passes on the interior when he's cutting unless they are like right to his chest. And it feels like he just never expects them to be coming. And, you know, when he plays, he looks like he's moving in slow motion a lot of the times. Like he's a slow, methodical player. But that also comes back to bite him when things are going really quickly and the ball is coming at him and he's just like too slow to go down and get it. But there were just so many, so many turnovers on the interior trying to either hit someone else inside or trying to kick it back out to three-point shooters. So many frustrating turnovers. And I mentioned earlier about me wanting to start Monk now. And there was a specific play that really brought me to that conclusion. And it was at the start of the third quarter. Chris Duarte was very open. Could have taken the three, didn't. Okay, he steps into the mid-range. Could have taken the mid-range. Nope, keeps going. And then just like totally takes a much tougher shot. Like doesn't really commit to doing anything and just throws a shot up at the rim. And that's where I was just like, I'm done with this. Like we tried. Duarte just he he isn't it in the starting lineup Kevin Herter I mean Kevin Herter should be it in the starting lineup but he just hasn't been we really need Herter to get back to himself and he was questionable coming into this game so that makes it seem like his injury isn't that bad but I just we need him we either need him to get back to himself or we need to make a trade or both And I'll definitely be making a video talking about the Kings trade targets and all the rumors that have been surrounding the Kings lately. I feel like there were a lot today kind of mentioning Jeremy Grant and and Kyle Kuzma. And so in the coming week or so, I'll definitely be talking about that because I believe both Jeremy Grant and Kyle Kuzma are available to be traded on the 15th of January. And man, it it would be great to have one of those two guys. But despite all, you know, the bad parts of this game, there were still positives. The main one being Mike Brown winning another challenge. That makes two challenge wins in a row. It's a miracle. This was the one where Mo Bamba went up for the dunk and got fouled by Harrison Barnes. But they challenged and Barnes got hit in the face first before he fouled Mo Bamba. So it was an offensive foul. So shout out to Mike Brown for being better with his challenges. Also, a moment I didn't mention, but when the Kings were were kind of making the push, like just giving me a little bit of hope at the at the end of the third quarter there, there were two possessions back-to-back where it was Sabonis on the first one, goes up against Mobamba, doesn't get it to go, then just can't get the tip in, then the Kings are able to get a stop, 
we come back down the other end and again like the same thing happens a miss at the rim tip in no tip in no and it falls off and that was just such a deflating moment because it really felt like we could have gotten back in the game but uh no honestly the fact that the kings were even kind of in it was incredible with how poorly it felt like they were playing like they were still we we didn't totally fall apart like we had in other games i guess that's kind of the positive to take away because there was still a chance to get back in you know i kept looking at the score and i was like wow it's only a 16 point game like it feels like a 30 point game the king shot almost 34 percent from the field 33.7 percent that is really bad but hey over 80 percent from the free throw line that's a miracle things don't get any easier in fact they probably get even tougher we now go into milwaukee and then at the end of the road trip we finish it off in phoenix Milwaukee is just a massive team with Giannis and Brooke Lopez and then Bobby Portis coming off the bench causing problems. It feels like the conversation around the Bucks is is kind of about them being disappointing and maybe not reaching expectations. But in reality, they're still an amazing team. And I think really like the move for Dame was about the postseason. Like, we saw them so many times be an amazing regular season team and then just not be able to do it in the playoffs. So I feel like some of the discourse around the Bucks is kind of dumb. Where before they got criticized for being a great regular season team but not doing it in the playoffs, even though they have won the finals recently. But now that they actually kind of make a move that should make them better in the playoffs and not the regular season with the Dame trade, now they get criticized for being not the best team in the regular season. Like, I don't know. I think that's kind of silly. But I don't even know how long it's been since the Kings have won in Milwaukee. I know it's been a long time since the Kings won in Philly. I'm guessing it's been a really long time since they won in Milwaukee. Because, I mean, that's just that's a tough matchup. Out of these two games against tough teams, this Philly one with him beat out was the one to win. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Kings will come out and show a bunch of fight. And we'll be, you know, on that graphic I, I described earlier. We'll be on the had conversations, big response, win part of it. But the Kings are in the midst of playing 12 out of 14 on the road. So we're, we're three games in to playing 12 out of 14 on the road. I think the goal for these next two games is you, you go one and one and you finish out this five game road trip, three and two. And if the Kings can can get by this road heavy part of their schedule unscathed and still be right in the mix in the West, right? You know, cause we're only a few games back of the one seed, but we're also very close to dropping into the play-in. But if I think if we can remain right in the mix of things during this road trip, We'll be in a really good spot once we hit the the more home-heavy part of the schedule. But anyways, that is it for this episode of the Rural Report. I will be back on Sunday to recap that game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Peace.